If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Can Christians experience loneliness? The Bible has many stories of godly people who suffered with it. Fortunately, it also offers tools to help you escape it. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares those tools in a special, timely message from his series, Slaying the Giants in Your Life. If you're ready to break out of your isolation, listen as David introduces Slaying the Giant of Loneliness. Well, friends, this is a wraparound message that kind of covers a lot of the principles that we've discussed already. Um, Slaying the Giant of Loneliness is a very important ending to what we've been discussing throughout the month of August. So stay tuned. Um, We're going to cover a lot of material here in one message, but it will be a blessing and a good review and reminder. I'm almost finished with my opportunity to tell you about one of the most beautiful books we've ever had the opportunity to offer. Gift books are very special to Turning Point people because they're usually a little more concise, and they recommend themselves to people. I don't have to say it any other way. Sometimes you look at a book, and the way it's packaged, the way it's presented, you don't even know what the book is about, but you got to pick it up and look inside. That's this book. It's so inviting. And uh, the message on the cover just says it all. God has not forgotten you. What an important message for you to hear. And wherever we've given this book, wherever people have received it, they have said, that's exactly what I felt when I got done. I realized that I'm still in God's mind and in his heart. He has not forgotten me. He is with you even on uncertain times, and this book is our message to you about that. You can get a copy of this book in these next few days if you will send a gift to Turning Point. It must be received and given during the month of August. This is the August resource. So when you send your gift, simply ask for the book. God has not forgotten you. It will be on its way to you before you know it, and you'll be blessed by its content. Well, let's get started with this wrap-up lesson. This is Slaying the Giant of Loneliness, and this is Turning Point. I'm David Jeremiah. In his book, The Devil's Advocate, Morris West tells us that we need to understand that loneliness is no new thing. It comes to all of us sooner or later. Friends die, families move, lovers and husbands die. We get old, we get sick. In a society where people live in in impersonal cities and suburbs and where electronic entertainment often replaces personal relationships, where people move from job to job and state to state and marriage to marriage, loneliness has become an epidemic in our society. And what is it? And how does it feel? Someone has suggested that loneliness is an empty feeling in the pit of the stomach, almost to the point of nausea. Someone else has suggested it's an underlying anxiety, a big black pit. It's a sharp ache in moments of grief or separation. It's a long period of stress that wears you down until you're discouraged and defeated. 
It's a longing for completeness. One author says it's always characterized by a feeling of emptiness somewhere in the region of the diaphragm. It is a craving to be filled. And at various times we seek to fill the vacuum with everything from food to alcohol to endless demands on other people. Or we will try to pacify it by using drugs or just going to sleep or perhaps attempting to escape in some other way. Is there a connection between loneliness and health? That's like asking if there's a connection between breathing and life. Of course there is. And loneliness is something we all have to deal with at one time or another. There are many people who experience loneliness in our culture. There are, first of all, in the experience of loneliness, the single people in our culture. And every single person knows the anguish of going home to cook a meal for one and then watching television alone at night with no one to laugh at your jokes or comment on the things that you see together. Then there's the lonely spouse. It is an amazement to me that the institution that God created to provide the greatest sense of intimacy often becomes the place of great loneliness. I remember speaking about this on another occasion, and after I got done, I got a letter in the mail the next week from a woman who wrote to me in these words. She said, it is tragic, and yet it is true, that when we are married, we do not always find the fellowship and the intimacy that we would expect. She said, today you really struck a spot that is sensitive in my heart. I try not to dwell on it, the loneliness in marriage, but the truth is I am lonely. My husband and I are both Christians. We live relatively well. We're educated, and my husband is a good man. He works hard and is a good provider. He isn't abusive, and he's a fairly good father. But my emotional needs are very rarely met because he works all the time. It's the case of two people living parallel lives but never really meeting at all. He has heard and read a little about how a husband can create a good relationship with his wife, but it must all pass over him without making an impression. I'm not going to nag. I try not to think about it, but the hurt is deep. I am a very lonely person. And that's something. In marriage, the most intimate relationship on the face of God's earth, and yet there are many who find it to be a very lonely place. And then there are the lonely survivors, the people who live on after the loved one has died. Lonely survivors experience a kind of pain which I am told is so intense that there is nothing in life to which you can compare it. What the widow and the widower go through is not describable in terms that you and I would understand. But if you've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. Often it is divorce that causes the survivor to be left alone. And in many ways, divorce can be more painful than death, for there is no finality to it and there is no closure to it. There is no way to fully and finally recover, and sometimes there is the awful sense of rejection that goes along with the loneliness. And then, of course, there's the lonely senior citizen that we see, and the population is graying, as you know, and there are more and more senior people than there ever have been. They often find themselves very lonely, no longer in a relationship, no longer feeling needed. Maybe they came out of a place where they had a position of authority and a position of respect, and now they wonder if anybody needs them and if there's any purpose for them being around at all. 
For so many, the golden years turn out to be years where the glow has gone, and they're left wondering if there's anything for which to live. And the loneliness can be very acute. And there's the lonely sufferer who experiences the pain that he cannot describe to anyone else. One man wrote to me on occasion to describe this in a letter I received. He said, it's when the lights go out and the room is suddenly plunged into darkness that the awful awareness comes. And the traffic of the hospital goes on like an uncontrolled fever outside my door. But inside the room is so still. And it's awful. And it's lonely. And there's the lonely servant of God. What can I say about the person who leaves this culture and goes to the mission field? Leaving behind everybody that he knows, everybody that he has a connectedness with, family and friends and church. And he goes into a culture where he doesn't have any affinity for the culture at all. And just for the purpose of being God's servant, he goes there and he determines that he's going to be God's servant. I remember reading about Moses in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers when he felt the loneliness of leadership. He said in Numbers eleven fourteen, I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And anyone who's ever been in a position of leadership knows that there's a kind of loneliness that comes when you're the leader. By the very fact that you're out front, you have turned your back on the rest of the people. Did you ever think about that? And there's no way to relate at the same level. There's no one that you can interact with who understands the experience that you have. And believe it or not, you can be a leader of a large church and a large ministry and still experience momentary loneliness that comes with the territory of leadership. The Bible tells us very clearly that throughout the scriptures, there were many who experienced periods of loneliness. David was a man who felt loneliness in his heart. I remember reading in the Psalms on one occasion where he talked about how he felt in the aloneness of his life. In Psalm 142 verse 4, he says, look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. And you can almost feel the edge of the loneliness in those words as David describes feeling alone. We don't have to read much of the story of David's life to know why he would feel that way. Chased as he was by Saul, he was a fugitive for much of his life before he ultimately came to the kingdom. And David knew many moments of aloneness. Aren't you glad he wrote them down so that we could identify with him? When I read his words, I don't then feel so badly that once in a while I experience that. David, the king, experienced loneliness. And then there's Jeremiah the prophet. Not Jeremiah the preacher, but Jeremiah the prophet. In the Old Testament, we read about Jeremiah. It is one of the most agonizing stories you will ever read. In fact, if you are not aware of it, the book of Lamentations is connected to the book of Jeremiah. And it used to be one book before they separated them out. And you know, the book of Lamentations is a book of funeral poems collected together to describe the anguish of Jeremiah's heart as he watched the city of Jerusalem dissipate right in front of his eyes. He saw the culture come unglued. He preached against it, and he knew that in preaching against it, they would not listen, they would not hear. And Jeremiah became the weeping prophet as he wept over the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. It was an agonizing thing for him. It's agonizing even to read about it today. Jeremiah knew something of the loneliness that can come to a person who is following God. Jeremiah was simply doing what God told him to do. He was following the direction of the Almighty. 
and he experienced loneliness in his heart. So there is loneliness, whether you be a king or whether you be a prophet. Those are Old Testament people. What about New Testament people? I'd like to tell you just a little bit about Paul the Apostle. The greatest man who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. The human author of much of the New Testament scriptures. The founder of all of the missionary churches. The writer of the book of Romans. The greatest treatise on theology ever conceived. Paul the Apostle was a lonely man on occasion. When he wrote his little letter to Timothy, which we call 2 Timothy, it's the last letter he ever wrote before he died. He described the loneliness of his heart in the last chapter of the epistle. And he wrote his letter in these words. Listen carefully. Be diligent to come to me quickly, he writes to Timothy. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, and Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus is in Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Antichicus I have sent to Ephesus. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. You feel that? Here's the great apostle, and he stands alone. No one is with him. You would think that could not happen. You would think that's the kind of thing that happens to others. That doesn't happen to the great apostle. But the point of all of this is to help us all understand that when we feel the loneliness sweep in and begin to take control of us, we aren't the first person ever to visit that place. It is known by many in our culture, and it has been known by many who walked before us in Bible days. And it is not a sin to be alone. It's not sin to experience loneliness. It only becomes a sin when we start to indulge it and when we fail to obey the instruction of the word of God, which is given to us to help us dispel the loneliness in our life. It is not wrong to visit loneliness. It is wrong to move in and let loneliness take over your life. So what do we do with it? How do we handle it? Where do we go when we feel alone? Let me suggest some things that will help us learn how to escape from loneliness when it begins to take over our life. First of all, we need to acknowledge the reality of it. I hope you're not among the people who are given to pious platitudes about personal problems. We as Christians have made an indoor sport out of saying the things that we think people would expect us to say, when in reality, they're not reality at all. A.W. Tozer was writing about this on one occasion, and he said, Some say brightly, Oh, I never am lonely. Christ said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and lo, I am with you always. So how can I ever be lonely when Jesus is with me? And then Tozer went on to write, now, I do not want to reflect on the sincerity of any Christian soul, but this stock testimony is too neat to be real. It is obviously what the speaker thinks should be true rather than what he has proved to be true by the test of his own experience. Have you ever heard an answer like that from someone? You go to them with your problem, and before you can even get the sentence out of your mouth, out comes the stock and trade answer, and then you've heard it all before. For instance, somebody says, well... 
Uh, you know, I was watching so-and-so, and they did such-and-such, and it was such a disappointment to me, and I don't know whether or not I'm going to be able to go on following the Lord because I'm so disappointed in that person. And what is the stock and trade answer? My friend, don't watch people. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He will never disappoint you. All of that is true. But it is also true that we have been called upon to be examples of the faith. And that the only Jesus you see is the Jesus you see in people. And there is something about the fact that when we don't live for God and we disappoint others, we bear a responsibility for it. Yes, we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. But the Jesus that we see is the Jesus we see being lived out in others. And so that stock and trade answer sometimes just leaves us cold. And it's not good enough to say when you feel alone, well... I'm not going to admit that I'm alone. I'm just going to accept the fact that I'm a Christian because I'm a Christian. Jesus is always with me. So while I may feel alone, I know I'm not alone. And so I will just deny the feeling. That's craziness. I'll tell you, I'm your pastor. I've felt lonely on occasion. Not because of anything anyone has done or because of anything that maybe shouldn't have happened, but because I'm a human being and we walk through the places of loneliness on occasion. And all of us have known it. So don't deny it. Accept it. It's part of life. It's part of the human experience. And after you've accepted it, then recognize that as you acknowledge the reality of your loneliness, you need to accept God's provision for it. What is the provision of Almighty God for a lonely heart, for a lonely person? Let me just remind you that he's the only one who can really solve that problem. He's the only one. Because God has created us in such a way that we have an emptiness in us that can only be filled by an intimate relationship with Almighty God. It is not possible for us to stuff anything else into that vacant space. Until God is at home within our hearts, we will always feel incomplete and we will always feel a sense of aloneness, especially when we face difficult times. But I'm here to tell you that God sent his son into the world as an ambassador. And his son came not only to give us the message of the gospel, but to be the gospel. And he hung on a cross between heaven and earth. And he himself experienced the most awful aloneness you could ever know. As he was rejected by his father, he cried out in the words of Matthew 27, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What was he saying? He bore the sin of the whole world on the cross. And because Almighty God is a holy God, he could not look upon even the representation of sin associated with his son on the cross. And he turned his back upon him. And Jesus was left alone with the anguish and pain and sin of the world. And I'm reminded that he was left alone so that we might not ever have to be alone. He was left alone so that the sin debt would be paid in full and that we could come to him and in faith we could accept what he did for us on the cross and by doing that he would come to live within us and he would fill the empty space in our hearts then you need to allow God's word to fill your mind and heart if you're a Christian and you're experiencing loneliness you need to hear the Lord's voice speak to you you need to hear the Lord speak to your problem and he will do that if you will read the word of God This is not just a pious platitude that I'm telling you. This is the only thing I can tell you. God has spoken, and if you will read his word, you will hear his voice. Finally, let me encourage you to activate your network of Christian friends. 
I want to make a statement as we close this message today that I hope won't be offensive, but I have to say it because it's true. Loneliness is a choice. It really is. Now, moments of being alone may not be a choice, but lingering in the house of loneliness is your decision, and it's the decision you make. For God has first of all given us his son, and then he's given us his word, and then he's given us his people, all of which are for us, so that we don't have to be alone. The Lord didn't leave us here to experience life all by ourselves. He's put us into the community of believers called the church. I remind you on occasion that every time the word saint appears in the Bible, it always appears in the plural. Because saints are not left in isolation. We are the saints of God. And we come together for mutual encouragement and for help. And someone says, but Pastor Jeremiah, I don't know anybody. Well, then the Bible's answer to you is that he who is going to have a friend has to show himself friendly. Like many of the problems we're examining during these days, loneliness in the end is a choice. We may not like the circumstances of life. We may not feel like we've been dealt a very fair hand. But in the end, it is our response to these circumstances that determines our spiritual and our emotional health. And that's where God puts the responsibility squarely upon us. That principle is clearly demonstrated in this closing story. Anne Frank was a very famous person, and we've read the diary and seen the movie. We may not agree with all that's in there, but there are some tremendous lessons. Perhaps you recall that she and her family were prisoners in their home during the Second World War. They suffered greatly with unimaginable hardship and difficulty. Anne kept a diary of their experience Recording the fear of discovery they lived with every day. That's the diary that we've read and we've seen the plays and the movies. But along with the descriptions of the danger and the despair, she recorded her feelings, the feelings that she had in her heart. And somehow, despite all of the suffering she experienced, Anne found joy. In fact, in 1944, when she was a young girl, she wrote these words, and I quote, Nearly every evening I go up to the attic... And from my favorite spot on the floor, I look up at the blue sky. As long as this exists, I think I may be able to live to see it. As long as I can see this sunshine and the cloudless skies, while this lasts, I cannot be unhappy. Riches can all be lost, but that happiness in your heart can only be veiled, she wrote. And I want to say with authority today that we have something far better than blue sky and clouds. We have Jesus Christ living in us. Though the world may crumble around us, he is the blue sky. He is the light from on high that thrills and encourages our hearts. I can look beyond my circumstances into the face of the one who loves me more than I know. And the one who would never allow anything to happen to me that was not for my own good. And I can know with a certainty that he cares. And that if I will trust him, he will help me through the experience of life. And he will never leave me alone. If you know him, you know that is true. If you do not know him, then you are left alone with your own resources to fight through the problems. So more than anything else, let me tell you, loneliness for you is a choice. You can accept Jesus Christ and the resources of his person. 
and know those resources for the rest of your time on this earth, or you can go on alone trying to figure it out yourself and feeling the pain that comes from time to time. My recommendation is this. Jesus Christ has come to give you life and life everlasting. And he's just waiting for you to make the decision to accept his free gift. Friends, I just want to follow up on that and make it really plainly clear that you can become a Christian today, right where you are. You can become a follower of Jesus Christ. You must decide to do it. But if you decide to do it, simply pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I want you to live within my life. I want the gift of eternal life, which you promised to those who will put their trust in you. I believe, Jesus Christ, that you are the Son of the living God, and that you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried and three days later came out of the tomb victorious over death. And I believe you when you say that if I believe in you, I too shall live. So, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Thank you for hearing my prayer. If you made that decision, we would love to send you some information that will help you get started in your new life. It uh, is our privilege to do that. Ask for it when you call or write or go to our website. Get in touch with us and let us know of your decision. We'll be happy to respond. Have a great day. For more information on today's message from Dr. Jeremiah's series, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's reassuring new book, God Has Not Forgotten You, a comforting reminder that God is working all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday for a special message from the series A Life Beyond Amazing right here on Turning Point. Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the word, and be in prayer. A Chinese philosopher who lived three centuries before the time of Christ made a wise observation about great men. He said, the great man is he who has not lost the heart of a child. 
A few hundred years later, Jesus provided more clarity on the subject of childlikeness. Jesus said that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. How do children receive gifts? With joy and eagerness, with innocence, and without a shred of suspicion. Little kids are so grateful and exuberant and appreciative, and every Christian should receive God's gifts the same way, with open and honest hands. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's gifts on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.